Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode four. That song you were just listening to uh, is a kind of open verse challenge where I sang a verse on uh, the song Pluck by Braden Ross. Uh, it's a little TikTok thing I did. Uh, that is not my song in any way, shape, or form. That is Braden Ross's. I believe you can pre-save it on Spotify it's, if it's not out already by the time you're listening to this. That's a dope song. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't get too mad that I use a little snippet of, of my cover for it. But uh, yeah, I was, I was really excited about how that came out. Uh, I feel like it was a really good writing breakthrough for me personally. Um, so I just want to share that with you all cause I can't, I can't use, uh, the music I actually wanted to use and hopefully this one's not going to get me in any trouble. I don't think it will, but, uh, if it does, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll mute it out and repost. <laughs> it's not a huge deal. I don't want to cause any harm. Uh, that said, uh, today's episode, you might notice is titled please Zanny in some weird cryptic texting format. And if you're a Chase Atlantic fan, you'll know that that is a title of one of their songs. And what we're going to be talking about today is, uh, well, drugs and how they've had kind of a huge impact on my life, both in positive and negative ways. I'm going to be honest. I have tried to record this like three or four times already. This is a very difficult topic to get through because you, you don't want to give people the wrong idea. Like I'm putting out uh, questionably legal information about substances on the Internet open for all. Uh, yeah, there's an explicit warning, but like I, really the whole goal of this episode is to reduce harm uh, and, and really fight uh fight off what dangers that these substances can have um, and also shine a light in a different lens that hopefully more people will agree with and see uh, as time goes on because it's it's been kind of ingrained into our brain that well drugs are bad and that's not the wholesale truth unfortunately if it were that easy uh, we wouldn't need medicine and that's kind of a key point that I want to make today but I've I've had a lot of history with drugs throughout my life if you listen to the last episode you'll know that my father was a drug addict uh, and actually died from relapsing and overdosing. And uh, that had a profound impact on the way I viewed drugs for a long time. And that shifted after my big relationship ended because I was sick. I was facing my mental health and I was sick and I didn't know how to uh, solve it. Like it was it was a lot of pain and, and I was trying to do it on my own, trying to be completely sober and healthy. And, and there was a spiral at one point that, uh, I eventually got through and it, it's all okay now, but it was an experience. And part of the experience was actually good, even though it wasn't healthy. Um, so I want to, I just want to talk about all that and share exactly what I experienced, talk about a couple of the different drugs I've had experiences with and, uh, what kind of dangers and stuff you need to look out for and, and, and how to approach this in a more healthy manner for your mental health. Cause how I did it was not good. And I'm glad I don't do it that way anymore. Uh, but it's still hard. It's always easier said than done because the access and information we have to this stuff is not, uh, always readily available or easy to search or even comfortable to talk about with people because it can get kind of sketchy. So on the nose of sketchy stuff, uh, I want to start off with a, a extra disclaimer for this one. I am in no way, shape, or form promoting the use of any substances, legal or non-legal. I am not claiming to use any substances, legal or non-legal, and I will not specify the time frames in which I have used substances in the past because it's not relevant. Uh, so anybody in the professional world that might be listening to this who is concerned about my state of being or all that, no, I'm perfectly fine, perfectly healthy. I don't have any, any problems with any substance abuse or anything like that. I just want to share my experiences, and that's purely what this is. So if you take anything else out of context from this that's on you not me sorry please don't do it that way i'm legitimately just trying to help people and share so please make a, a positive experience out of this not a negative one uh that said some of this shit's illegal 
So don't do it if it's illegal. And if you're going to do illegal shit, don't get caught. Like that's, it's plain as day. Like don't, don't do that. So that's why I'm not advertising any of it. I'm not claiming to use it or have access to any of it because that's dangerous. That's dangerous for everybody involved, whether it's true or false, doesn't matter. If you are admitting to that publicly, it can be hard uh, on you and your relationships and stuff like that. So I, in no way, shape or form am affiliated with anything like that uh, in the context of this podcast. So uh, go ahead and purge all those kind of thoughts from your brain. I'm not going to help you find a drug dealer. I'm not going to, uh, glamorize any of these things. I really just want to state some facts and then talk about personal experiences. So I don't think there's any problems with anything I'm going to talk about, but drugs are a weird topic and, uh, it's important to make sure we're safe when we're talking about them, especially when we want to legitimately reduce harm. So, um, if you, like I said, if you listen to my last episode, uh, you'll know that my father was a drug addict and he uh, relapsed and that's how he died. So I've had a lot of experiences with uh, quote unquote drugs throughout my life that put things into perspective. Growing up, much like anybody who grew up in America in like the uh, 90s and early 2000s, there were heavy, heavy anti-drug campaign ads everywhere. Dare programs, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm in middle school or not middle school. I'm in elementary school even doing these marches for dare. And I don't even know what cocaine is. I just want to go play Hot Wheels in the, the freaking playground right, <laughs> with my friends. Um, but we're doing this things and we think we're having fun, but we don't know what any of it's about. But it's impressing into us at a very early age that all drugs are bad and they are really bad about specifying what's what's actually a drug like what is a drug and what they mean most of the time in those campaigns is is illegal substances things like cocaine marijuana stuff like uh heroin and acid and lsd and and all that that kind of stuff that uh you see the sketchy drug dealer in the alley kind of uh personification that that this lens of worldview puts on it when they are driving fear about these different drugs but uh, not only was I raised on that, but I was also raised in the context of uh, my dad having a mental illness of addiction. Because that's the thing about addiction. Addiction can come in two ways. There's natural addiction and there is actual uh, addictive personality disorders. Uh, and they, I'm boiling it down to those two for simplicity, but they, of course, run the gamut on effects. They run the gamut on causes. They run the gamut on circumstances. It's weird because it's psychology. In both cases, it's it's psychology because it's effect, it's how a substance affects your brain. Um, one's kind of just built into you, kind of like any other mental illnesses. could have been caused by something. Who knows? But uh, the other is just because a substance is physically, naturally addictive. And like I said, there's a lot of gray in between. So don't take that as black and white. That's just kind of the easy way to look at things for the context of what we're talking about. So when it comes to uh, all that kind of stuff, that that was their focus. But the reality is that we have access to so many drugs that we just call medicine. And when you take a step back, any of the quote unquote drugs that are illegal are also just medicine. They fit the same criteria that any of our modern medicine does. Uh, and there's different forms. You know, you have natural medicine from plants and stuff. And then you also have the chemical medicine that we derive and, and make from chemical compounds and, uh, you know, Tylenol and stuff like that, that we send out for helping headaches and fevers and, and stuff like that. And they're, these are the same types of things. Now, they all do something very, very, very different. They all have different effects on different people. In fact, some people are naturally allergic to different drugs. Uh, one of the jokes I, I always make is that my, uh, I, I say I always make, I really just make it to myself, is my mom is allergic to codeine, so she can never do lean. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, that's purely a joke. And, and But it's true. It, it illustrates the value of uh, understanding what these medications do for people and don't do and what dangers there can be versus what can be helpful because we've arbitrarily outlawed these substances maybe because of addiction maybe because of what harm they can do but by doing so we haven't figured out what ways they can help too because that is a whole other path that is slowly thank god being studied because why would we limit ourselves on what we have the ability to heal ourselves with that's stupid you know, whether it's a, a psychedelic or it's a dissociative or an amphetamine, whatever it is that we're using to help uh, alleviate different types of illnesses and pain, uh, we, we can't restrict ourselves on what we have access to because that's 
that's more dangerous than than not uh and and i did there's the proof is in reality it's not it's not a, a numbers game it's a how many people are killing themselves because of their mental illness because whatever medicines that we have weren't working and we haven't tried other options it's people give up because they run out of options because what we have doesn't work and we're restricted on what we can try and that's that's scary that's very dangerous and that's something i'm actually uh kind of scared of sometimes myself because my medicine is still going through different phases like and and i'll touch on that a little bit later in this episode but um it's it's not fun it's not fun to have a fear that you could run out of options when nothing else helps and then you don't know how you're going to keep pressing on um now for me personally my kind of uh grounding in that is right now the medicine doesn't work and i'm still living and if i keep trying different medicines maybe something eventually will work so it's worth trying and if not then i still am alive i just need to kind of figure out what the next step is there so i kind of worry about it when i get there but it is still a legitimate fear uh and i do recommend taking that more positive approach to to looking at it that way because it is scary and that is a valid thing to be scared of but you're alive now so if it's not working for you now if you're in a similar state as me that's okay it it's not working and you're still going you're still trying and you do have options you have options until you don't and when you don't guess what you lived through all the things that didn't work so now you get to to brainstorm something new from there um that said uh it's it's all of these types of drugs and all of these states of world that i was raised in that made things very confusing for me and one of my experiences growing up in in that long relationship that I had was there was a moment in time where uh, my my partner would go and smoke a weed with a friend and even start smoking cigarettes and that really bothered me which is weird because I I've always been okay with drinking I even like have a vape that I like to smoke sometimes and even in those days I like to smoke cigars every so often it's not something that I back then anyway used to really do often now i'm addicted to nicotine it's just something i have but uh the otherwise it was it was something very casual for me nothing really bothered me about any of that stuff i didn't mind when my friends smoke weed i just didn't really want to do it uh and that's because i had a lot of trauma associated with my father and i didn't really learn what kind of drugs my father did uh until after he passed and i still don't really know fully Uh, i know he did smoke marijuana from time to time and then he had like painkillers i think but Uh, aside from that it's vague and the only thing anybody would ever hammer down my throat was how bad marijuana is which is bullshit but uh it it was it was terrifying and the only thing that really kept me from it as i got older and got to learn from myself what the actual impacts of of that substance are uh it's just the legality it's just that it was sketchy to have and when my partner started doing that i I reacted in a way that was dumping that trauma and fear from my father that was instilled in me by my family onto her. I was worried that she was going to be a drug addict and all this kind of stuff. And I approached it way, way wrong. And I traumatized the both of us from that. And I am forever sorry. And she, she knows that. But uh, ultimately, we did come to the resolution and realize that, oh, well, when you remove all the stupid trauma shit that I came out of sideways areas from, uh, really what bothered me is that you were being sneaky. Like you lied to me about doing this stuff. So when you came forward, I was hurt by the lie, but I had to get over my own trauma first that I was projecting onto her to get to that point. And by then it was already, the damage was done and it just hurt to reconcile. And I I still feel terrible about that. And that sucks. That's something I I have, I have let it go, but if I think about it, obviously it sucks. Um, But more happened after that. So I, I went from the, you know, being raised, always told drugs are bad uh inflicting a traumatic experience on my partner because i thought drugs are bad and then um you know my father dying in between that and really reinforcing that and then when i lost that relationship my brain immediately went to how am i going to cope you know i don't want to drink i don't want to do drugs i don't want to do anything what what does all this mean and over those years though i got over my trauma with substances uh i I didn't care about especially marijuana that was simple um and other drugs i was like okay well i don't know a lot about these things so i don't want to do them until i'm educated but otherwise as long as people are being safe and nobody's in danger 
then cool, whatever. Like people are people. Um, and I didn't quite have my worldview change to the degree it was, or it is now, uh, back then, but I was moving that direction. And then, uh, once I started dealing with, um, the trauma of that relationship ending, I, I told myself I was not going to turn to drugs. Now I did smart, start, uh, smoking more, uh, just in general, just nicotine, like vapes and stuff, uh, because my brain doesn't make enough dopamine and that's what nicotine does. Uh, I don't recommend doing that by the way. Again, none of these things are recommendations. This is just what I experienced. And so I, I did that, but obviously it didn't help too much. And the, the other thing I did start to do eventually was drink. And I knew that was bad. Drinking is a, a real easy way to die fast if you're drinking for uh, numbing yourself and running away. Uh, and I, I did that for like a couple of weeks and I was like, ah, I, I can't keep doing this. This is going to kill me. And that's sad. I, I'm not going down without a fight. Not like this. And so I backed off on the drinking and I, I'm not afraid to drink. I, I still have uh, a home bar. In fact, I love making cocktails. It's one of my, my favorite side hobbies. Um, I don't have a problem with alcohol at all in that manner. But during that time frame, I tried I tried to give myself a problem with alcohol and uh, luckily that didn't happen. Um, but I was still in pain. I didn't know what else to do. So I did eventually turn to some marijuana usage and that helped sometimes. Um, and it's something that I still don't mind at all recreationally. In fact, I enjoy it recreationally. If there's ever a safe place and time for me to do that, then that is something that I do generally recommend and especially as it's becoming more legal that's one that's less sketchy to talk about and there's even substrains of, of different variants that you can get legally uh, that have some of the same effects that are completely legal so that talking about marijuana nowadays is pretty easy um, and I, li I like marijuana marijuana is pretty good um, and it does help me in a lot of ways it helps with my anxiety helps with my stress and all that kind of stuff and I'm gonna harp on this a couple times um, just to hammer it into everyone it's that substances don't work for everybody the same way they work for others uh i have friends who get major anxiety from smoking weed it's not good for them so they don't do it uh it doesn't have that effect on me it has the opposite effect which is great um it doesn't matter even really what kind of smoke i'm either i'm either a little bit stoned or i'm chill like one of the two that's usually my response but um i have some friends that can't do it at all so just like how my mom's allergic to codeine i have friends that can't smoke weed because it's it's not that they're allergic it's just they have bad reactions and that's true of almost all drugs whether you're allergic or not it depends on what your uh natural reaction is and when you're talking about drugs that are just used for recreation why would you do something that is makes you feel bad for fun like that that's just not good uh so yeah no it's not for everybody i'm not saying go smoke weed like don't don't do it unless you actually enjoy doing it that's stupid uh, it doesn't make you any cooler or lamer to not like try it if you want to try it there's nothing wrong with it i think that's what, I, what i'm really trying to emphasize there's nothing wrong with it um but don't force yourself to to do it if you don't like it it's very simple it's just, it's very, very same thing with drinking it's same thing with anything that we're going to talk about that's what i'm going to probably touch on a couple times as we talk through these different substances but um yeah marijuana for me has been helpful uh but it's not a cure-all uh it, it's very much a uh get me through a period uh, of stress to survive to the next day kind of thing. And, uh, I have a couple different tools for that. Now that's still a tool in my tool belt, but it's not, uh, something that I like to lean on. Right. And that's, that's going to be true. You'll see of all these things, it's ultimately the conclusion I came to. Uh, so during that time frame, I started getting more interested in psychedelics. And at the same time, I was kind of learning about ceremonial magic. And that usually happens to people. Whenever you're learning about psychedelics, somehow you end up in some aspect of the occult world or the spiritual world. <laughs> um, and it's funny. It's it's kind of a stereotype and a trend, but it, it's funny to me. I really enjoy that that is a stereotype and it, you need to laugh at yourself if, if that that's you because it's, it's hilarious. I'm sorry. Um, but I fall right into that. And the the whole deal with that is when you're talking about spirituality and you're approaching new substances like uh, hallucinogens of any sort, whether they're psychedelics or, or dissociatives or whatever, um, they, the whole point is you experience some kind of uh, introspective moment. And when you do that, you have uh, almost a tiny awakening. Um, it's not permanent. 
and that's something else I'll talk about too. It's not permanent, but it, it helps you deal with things sometimes or it can. Um, again, this is not everybody's experience. Some people have awful time tripping balls. They cannot do it. It's not for them and it doesn't help at all. And in fact, if they were to keep doing it, it may cause permanent damage. So don't do that to yourself. That's terrible. Just because I had an experience that was positive doesn't mean you are. Also doesn't mean that you shouldn't try one of these things. That's up to you. You're your own individual, but there's safe ways to go about it and there's safe ways to know if it's for you or not. So that's that's kind of what we're going to hammer home. So I started uh, self-medicating and this is where things got really unhealthy is I started self-medicating using... Uh, and the Redditors of the world are going to love this, is I started with DXM. And DXM is, uh, a, is a drug that is commonly used for, I guess the easy way to explain it, I'm, I'm trying not to make it super easy for people, but uh, you can just Google. It's, uh, it's just Robitussin, so it's good for colds and, and flu symptoms and stuff like that and sinuses. Uh, but at high doses, uh, DXM is a dissociative. And dissociatives work very similarly to psychedelics in terms of uh you having introspective feelings so it's still kind of a hallucinogen you're not like uh seeing pretty colors and faces melting on the walls or anything like that but you do have almost an out-of-body experience and that was my experience with it and that's a common experience for people again not for everybody you may not have that um but i did that for a while to self-medicate because i was already disassociating in the real world and i found that when I first tried this drug, uh, at a low dose, it was euphoric. And then as I upped my dose a little bit, uh, I had those introspective moments and that, that idea of ego death and all that kind of stuff. And I realized, oh, this is kind of helping me deal with some of this trauma. It's helping me get a break in my brain and look at things objectively. And then when I come out of the trip, I still deal with them. And that side of it is what was healthy and helpful for me. How I approached it was not. So the only reason I was doing this was to escape. I wasn't doing it to heal. So that that is the big crux of the issue for me when I was taking that substance was um, I wasn't using it like a medicine. I was using it like a drug. And that's kind of the connotation we give drugs. They're all the same thing. I'm saying the same thing when I say medicine and drugs. Uh, but the connotation we give a drug is something that's bad and the connotation we give medicine is something that's good even though it's the exact same thing the only difference was me and how I approached it so when it came to DXM I was like oh shit uh, I'm gonna go you know they call it robo tripping I'm gonna go robo tripping this weekend and escape and it's gonna feel good and I had some bad trips too but uh ultimately the the bulk of that time I spent using that substance uh, I used it responsibly so even though I, I came from a bad place, I took self-harm reduction states because I, steps because I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was getting into. And I already knew a lot about drugs. Thanks to my family and uh, my dad, uh, I did my research, right? And uh, I've had nurses in my families. I've had uh, access to healthcare. I've even worked uh, in security and healthcare fields. Um, so I, I know a lot of things about stuff and uh, it's come to my benefit and to my safety, thankfully. Um, but one of the things that was really scary for me about drugs in general is uh, my family would always push a narrative of, on me of being scared of having addiction as like a genetic thing. And I'm not sure how much stock there is in that. I imagine there is some level, like logically it kind of makes sense if you're a parent had X mental illness, there is a possibility that your brain developed in such a way that you are prone to that mental illness. But it's not that black and white either. And it's not like you can predict that easily. You can't even you can't even do like a genetic chart for, for that to actually map it out. It, you may not have anything to do with it. Your brain could have developed perfectly fine outside of that. Obviously, mine got depression, but uh, I'm not an addict of any sort. I don't have any, any issues with addiction. The only thing that is addicting to me are like naturally addictive substances, hence like nicotine, for example. I am addicted to nicotine but I'm not a quote unquote drug addict in the traditional sense that we're talking about. I'm addicted to nicotine. Like most people are addicted to coffee. And the funny thing about that is, is like, because it's not a, a disease for me and it's not a problem, you know, everybody who's addicted to something's going to say this and you're going to be like, that's bullshit. Uh, but it depends really on how they say it, if they know actually what they're talking about and not for me. And I've done this several times, so I know exactly how it feels. I could toss my vape out or lose it or whatever. And, yeah, I'll have withdrawals for like a couple weeks and it'll fucking suck, but I can deal with it because I've dealt with a lot worse. Uh, so it's it's not a matter of, 
uh, I can quit anytime I want. Now, it's legitimately I could, and I know what it's going to feel like, and it's going to suck, and I'm going to want to not, and that's the reality. But I have the willpower because I've been through worse to to take care of that if that's what I wanted to do. And that is powerful in its own sense, but it's not true of everybody, and it's not true of every substance because nicotine is one example but if you get addicted to a benzo or something or maybe you get addicted to a hallucinogen of some sort like that can really fuck up your psyche compared to just smoking cigarettes or something um not saying either one is one is better than the other but obviously there's a a big leap that you can take um but they're all a, a lot of these substances that are chemically addictive and naturally addictive they do come with those risks and that's something to, important to be aware of uh when it came to dxm it's not really that addictive it can be because you can get addicted to the escape which is what i was in danger of uh because i was using it for escapism and i so i decided to take harm reduction steps to start with and a couple of good tools for that uh were uh if you look up i think it's tripsit.me there's a couple other trip sites uh that are dedicated to hallucinogens and psychedelics and reducing self-harm and they will give you dosage charts that you can figure out how much to take based on your weight and uh, how much is too much, what the different kind of quote unquote plateau levels are of different things and, and what's dangerous to do and what's dangerous to mix and not to mix. Um, and granted, these are great tools, but they're not foolproof. It's not your doctor. It's not your therapist and it's not your psychiatrist, but it's something for you to go to, to do it as safely as possible if you're already going to do it. Um, so I would advise that take every step you can to reduce harm to yourself. If you're experimenting with any, if any substances, even if it's not something I'm talking about today. Um, but the sad thing though, is that even though those resources exist and they're pretty decent, um, they're not foolproof. They're not always up to date and they don't have information on everything. Cause the reality is the information that we have is either based on personal experience or it's based on scientific data that we were able to pull together. And quite frankly, if nobody's ever mixed X with Y, they don't know if it works or not. And that poor soul who does and is able to report it either had a near-death experience or they did die and somebody else had to report it for them. And that is not how we want to learn about self-harm. We want to figure that out in a safer, controlled way. And that's, again, I'm going to keep harping on that. That is the point of this episode. Um... But anyway, on when I was doing DXM, I had a lot of really introspective moments dealing with my depression, dealing with my spirituality, dealing with my own just mental health in general, and I would have good and bad trips. I remember uh, nights where I would trip and I would just be relaxed, listening to my favorite music, and really just being present, and it was good. And then I had some nights where I went and threw up in the toilet and laid on the bathroom floor and thought I was going to die. And then I had other nights. Uh, I remember one time I went on a vacation and I uh, decided to trip and I felt like I was talking to angels on the ceiling, right? So it's like you have a range of experiences with these things. And the sad thing about me approaching it from a self-medication standpoint that was more about escapism than it was about the medicine is that there's actually studies for DXM specifically, where they're trying to kind of combine it with, uh, I think, well, butrin is one of, one of the things, which is an NDPRI, which is also uh, used to help sometimes help treat uh, depression. Uh, and they were, there's trials experimenting with the a combination of these two because DXM can take care of the serotonin while the um, the the norepinephrine, I'm probably saying that, the norepinephrine receptors uh, for the Wellbutrin, they, they kind of can tackle two things at once. Um, but... Uh, I, I would experience these moments of euphoria or even trauma going through these different trips. And it ultimately led me to a point where I was like, okay, I'm done escaping. I need to, to talk about this. But before I hit that point, I actually tried another drug. And this is one drug that I will say, just don't fucking do it. Like, this is stupid. Um, but I was down, like I was down and I was trying to figure out any way to escape. I could not deal with the pain in my head and I was completely on my own, completely isolated in my house. And these are easy things to get access to over the counter. They're completely legal. And uh, another one is DPH and this is the 
chemical structure or whatever for uh, Benadryl, also Zequil. Zequil is just Benadryl, by the way, which that's another important thing to really know when I'm, when I'm spouting all these like acronyms for, for these fancy long drug names. Uh, it's important to know those and read the labels on shit because we package up Tylenol and NyQuil and, and Zequil and all these other over-the-counter medicines uh, with these really powerful drugs. And some people may take four pills of Zequil thinking it's going to knock them out quick. Guess what? No, you do that. You're going to have a fucking bad time because it's just Benadryl, which is DPH. And you may have done research on Benadryl's bad side effects if you take too much, but you didn't think about Zequil because it says it's a non-habit forming sleep aid, uh, which is also bullshit because DPH is an addictive substance, <laughs> by the way, just fun fact. And, uh, it's, it's sad that we have to check those things for ourselves. We can't rely on what's on the box, even in our own fucking drugstores. Like that's terrible. Um, but DPH is not one you want to do. Um, I was out of my mind and I was looking for new, different things to try because the, the DXM, I was like, I'm not having a good enough time. And I hadn't gotten to the point where psychedelics were of interest to me yet because I was isolated. I didn't really have a good way to safely access that. And these, this was the safe thing I could do. Um, but DPH, uh, I tried once and, uh, DXM is a disassociative. So you, you kind of have the out of body hallucination experience. It, it kind of feels like, um, Molly. That's, uh, some, some common comparison that most people who may have, who may use drugs. If you're listening, if you've ever done Molly, you would kind of understand what DXM is like. Uh, it's less happy though, uh, I guess is a good way to put it. Cause Molly's not always happy either, but, um, it's, it's euphoric when it's euphoric and it feels just like a small dose of that at a small dose. But then as you go forward, it's a completely different experience. Um, at least that's how I, I, I can iterate it and relate it to other substances that may be more familiar to party goers or whatever. DPH on the other hand is a delirium. And as that implies, it makes you absolutely delirious and is super dangerous for your health. Uh, taking, uh, Benadryl for too long, uh, or even Zequil for too long has been linked to, and again, these aren't like hard, fast facts, so don't freak yourself out, but it's been linked to, uh, different cases of, uh, dementia later in life. And that's kind of scary. That's why you shouldn't take it all the time. It's okay to take, like, don't scare yourself out of taking any of these things, but, uh, take them at the recommended dosages and use them what they're for as medicines, uh, not to go trip balls and get high. That's dangerous. Don't do what I'm doing or what I did. This is why I don't do it anymore because it's dangerous. But uh, yeah, a delirium really fucks you up because it's, yeah, you get high and you go on a trip, but it's always bad. Like at least on psychedelics or DXM or, or any other of those, those kind of things that make you trip, uh, it's mostly like a mental state or how you respond. DPH is just nightmare fuel the entire way. Um, and I did it once and all I remember is seeing the ceiling go dark i could barely walk and move and i had to pee really really bad and couldn't and eventually i made myself go outside and i peed like off my back porch <laughs> and it's super embarrassing it was like three o'clock in the morning and i i got through that and then i just went and laid down and i couldn't fall asleep even though you would think that sleeping pills would help you sleep um, but the reality is once you take the high doses of these yeah, if you do pass out, you're probably going to be okay, but it's real easy not to pass out at that point and immediately begin this trip. And it's scary in a lot of different ways because some people take even higher dosages than what I took. I started with a baby dosage and decided, nah, never doing that shit again. Um, but other people have, see like spiders, they feel really crazy thing calling. You, you become delirious. Like if you ever have seen uh, a depiction of a delirious episode in a video game or a movie or TV show and there's like all kinds of crazy demons and, and spiders and scary stuff and you're talking to people and then that person's not there anymore, that is DPH. And that sounds cool, but it is not fun. Do not do it. It's like literally living in a real nightmare and it's terrifying and it's damaging to your mental health and it is not good in any way. So when I came out, I was like, that was an easy one for me to not do ever again. Uh, and I haven't, like, that's just easy. Like <laughs> That was a terrible experience. Uh, but I did keep doing DXM for a while until I, uh, finally brought it up to my therapist. I was like, look, I'm tired of running away. This isn't actually healing me. Um, you know, I'm worried about being an addict cause I have all this trauma and fear related. Everybody in my life's already are always told me that, oh, well, your dad was an addict. So you got to be careful with drugs. Uh, cause you might, you might be too. And she was like, no dude, you're not 
you're not an addict. Like you're not, you're doing these things responsibly. You're not an addict. Now the way you're handling, it's not healthy and you do need to stop, but otherwise you're fine. What you need is medicine. So let's try to get you on actual medicine. So that way you can get some actual healing. Cause that's what you're looking for. And I was like, holy crap, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing just fine. I just need medicine. I'm treating this thing as a substance instead of a tool. And granted, this is not the tool I need to be using, but had I at least been approaching it that way, at least it would have been a healthier headspace. And so, uh, it was, I just stopped doing that. And then I got on, uh, SSRIs and, um, there's a whole journey there that, that we'll get to. I've alluded to it already. Um, but in between all that time frame before I actually talked to her, uh, about stuff and even after talking to friends and meeting new people and exploring new communities, um, uh, I came across actual psychedelics and, uh, I don't want to glamorize these things, uh, but psychedelics, especially like psilocybin mushrooms, uh, can be a very powerful tool. Now they can also be equally as dangerous. Uh, if you're not in the right headspace, if you're using it too much, like you have to be able to reduce harm, uh, with, with these substances. But what's cool about psychedelics is there's actually communities in psychology that are getting clearance to study these things as medicines. So most people take them to, to trip balls and go party or be a real hippie and have a spiritual experience and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of introduced to it in my uh, ceremonial magic practices. And it's not very uncommon at all for uh, anybody doing a spiritual practice to run across this at some point, because in some ways psychedelics do enhance uh, those experiences. The danger there, though, is a lot of those communities just want to exist for the sake of doing drugs and not for the sake of actual enlightenment. They think they had their ego death when they took some shrooms and now their uh, their third eye is open and that's all there is to life. And it's like, eh, it can help with that. But once you come down, you're down. And if you're if you're going to have to stay up all the time, taking those drugs all the time, you're not actually you as a human being are not reaching that state. A, a, a medicine is taking you to that state and that's the whole point in the spiritual practice of these communities and again if you're not a spiritual person this doesn't apply to you at all you go get high and do whatever you want to do and have whatever experience you're going to have a lot of people who are atheists go and talk to the aliens or god or whatever and then come back down and be like whoa that was trippy and then they're done uh but those who are more spiritually inclined like myself um it defeats the purpose. We're not using it as a tool anymore. We're not even using it talking about medicine anymore for mental health. We're talking about it as if we're trying to attain God's level of consciousness, and that's bullshit. Um, it, it, it can help, but it's not the end-all be-all. That's why you have the spiritual practice. So for me, in Ceremony of Magic, all the meditation I do, all the ritual work I do, the whole point of that is to achieve those higher states of consciousness without doing the drugs now if i do a ritual and i i don't know if i take a psilocybin mushroom when i do the ritual it can lead to a crazy cool meditative experience that can be enlightening but i don't want to do that every time because then i become reliant on the substance to achieve that state when i want to be able to achieve it no matter what state i'm in sober or not um so it's not uncommon to use it and there's also nothing wrong with using it in context of your spiritual practice but it is dangerous to rely on it and it's also dangerous to let it take over and influence your life in a certain way because you you can cause harm. You can cause permanent damage to the way these things impact your psyche. But that's why I say it's super cool that we're actually researching them as medicines now and we'll hopefully get things more legalized and tested. So not only do we have more data on harm reduction for psychedelics, but we also can uh, use them to treat people for mental health problems where these other medicines aren't working. Now, I'm not going to sit here and harp on psychedelics forever. I am a closet hippie, but that is not the the point for today right that 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 is a more positive twist on the substances that are out there and again they're not all glamorous they're not all good but i'm glad that we are figuring out uh it, how they can be used as tools to help us improve our mental health what we have now though is what i was alluding to the whole time what we do have now are different medications to specifically target different mental health issues and the problem is much like all drugs and this is again true of everything they don't work for everybody and when I got with my therapist to stop self-medicating and start actual medication treatment, uh, I started on some SSRIs. It's a common treatment for depression. And they, they basically, you know, boost your serotonin levels and help regulate, give you enough of the right chemicals you need to be happy. Um, I've been through four or five different kinds of pills now, and none of them have worked. Um, I, they've caused me way more harm than good. 
and it really sucks because this is just my experience. Some people take SSRIs and immediately it's like the sky is blue again. They can feel, they can enjoy life. It's just great. I'm glad it works for some people. They're not an invalid tool, but for me so far, they haven't been working. And it's frustrating because you hear all the success stories and you're like, damn, I want that. And you just don't get it. So for me, they've caused me a lot of increased panic attacks, uh, a lot more intrusive thoughts. They've caused me insomnia worse than I had naturally, which is already pretty bad. Um, and they've caused me physical pain too, like headaches and stuff like that and loss of appetite, all that kind of stuff. So my side effects have been glaringly awful, like so bad that they eventually prescribed me Xanax, uh, to get through the withdrawals and stuff as I was transitioning different pills. And that, at that time, that was me working with, uh, my LPN and they only have so much control. Like they can't give you higher dosages. They can keep you on something for a long time, but if it's not improving and it's only harming you, they'll want to get you off of it and try something else. So you bounce around a lot more, which is, is bad. Uh, it's all they can do. They weren't like causing me harm on purpose or anything. They were trying to help, but, uh, I ended up needing to go see an actual psychiatrist. And at this point I am on, uh, Prozac and Xanax and the Prozac's still not doing a whole lot for me, but I've been on it for a while and we've upped the dosage and it's not causing me any harm either, which is why we're keeping at it. Cause maybe I just need a higher dosage. Maybe at some point it's going to be too high of a dosage. doesn't make sense why it's not working and we need to go back to the drawing board, which is fine. Uh, but I'm not in any danger with that, that medication like I was with the others. And then when it comes to Xanax, uh, that's another one that I, I kind of got scared of with my therapist is like, I don't want to start self-medicating again with this. Cause this one's real dangerous compared to DXM. It's like benzos in general, God, are they ever helpful? But Xanax, uh, and this is true of most of them, but Xanax in particular is very addictive. Um, and very potent, very, very potent. If you've never taken it before, half of, half of the pill will, will get you where you want to go. Um, but uh, for somebody who actually has anxiety like me, gradually I needed to up the dosage a little. I'm, I'm very stable with it. I'm not having any kind of issues with it, but I was worried about, I was like, look, I'm having panic attacks a lot. I don't want to rely on this every time I have a fucking panic attack. That's dangerous. It seemed dangerous to me. Um, and as, as you fork and nice as taking higher dosages of Xanax is, it's not a lifestyle I want to live. Like I'm not somebody who suffers with anxiety Anxiety is a symptom of my depression. For the most part, it's under control. Um, but whenever it's bad, it's really bad. And I need some help, especially if it's caused by side effects of other medication outside of my control. That's no longer a mental health issue. That's a chemical imbalance. Um, so I, I was worried about that for a while, but eventually my therapist was like, look, you got to get out of this trauma state of mind of worrying about addiction and all these kind of other stuff. Uh, and use the medicine as medicine. Start looking at the medicine as medicine and use it what it's for. Don't be weird. Don't abuse it. Don't do anything crazy. Just look at it as medicine and you're allowed to take your fucking medicine. Like that's, that's the reality of it. And that's true of all drugs. All drugs are medicine. And when you look at them, start looking at it through the lens of medicine, then you can start healing. You can start doing things correctly and safely. Um, so I did that. And on top of that, I, I still had uh, different variants of marijuana to use. I, I find that taking edibles sometimes when I'm uh, feeling kind of anxious can help. Uh, and that way I don't have to, unless I'm having a really, really, really bad panic attack, like on the ground in pain, uh, normally I don't, I don't need it. And that's good. So I have it when I do need it and it's a tool. Uh, and otherwise I have other tools that I can go to. So I'm not, it's not like I'm running around here high as fuck all the time on these different pills, but the reality is, yeah, I'm on drugs. Most people who have mental illness are on drugs, uh, but that's not a bad thing. These are our medicines to help us do stuff. And, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with all this kind of stuff. So that's ultimately where I, where I want to kind of wrap things up is medicine is medicine. Um, people who want to do drugs, they're going to do them. And the least we can do is educate and reduce harm uh, and reduce victims of addiction to addictive substances. And with anybody who has like the mental illness side of addiction, it can still reduce the fatalities, uh, in those cases, just to be educated and be open, be able to talk about stuff. Like uh, the fact that so many of think these things are like illegal makes it hard for people to open up about stuff, uh, because they're scared. They're going to either get thrown into the grippy sock vacation. They're going to get berated by their doctor or psychiatrist or their therapist is going to tell on them or something, which really in most cases, your information's safe, right? You're supposed to be disclosing this kind of stuff to your doctors and your psychs and all this kind of stuff. But I've ran into doctors who are caught up in their own opinion on things. And instead of looking at just the facts, 
and uh, it makes it all that much more uncomfortable to talk to them about it because they will uh, often take steps and measures to do what they think is the morally right thing to do than the scientifically or medically right thing to do. Um, so if you're that kind of doctor, please take a step back and, and look at your patient from an obje- objective standpoint. Don't let your, your personal beliefs about how these things work get involved. You Use use objective uh, reduction to, to actually figure out, okay, what are they doing? What are they not doing? And how can we get them out of this? And I think those that are working in um, the uh, addictive medicine field understand this pretty well, especially if they're really good at it. I know if you're a fan of uh, your mom's house podcast and Dr. Drew after dark and all that kind of stuff, Dr. Drew is great. He was on an interview with Duncan Trussell once. And um, at the end, it's he his final quote was, there's no such thing as a bad drug. Uh, it's the circumstances. Uh, you know, in the right circumstance, having a painkiller when you're undergoing surgery is great. Having a painkiller to run from your trauma that you want to deal that you don't want to deal with just to numb yourself out, eh, it's probably not a healthy way to deal with that. Um, and then recreational drugs, that's that's up to the person. Like as long as you're being safe, the substance you're using is safe, and you're not causing harm to yourself or anybody else. It's no different than going out drinking. If you're going to pick on somebody for going out and like, I don't know, popping a pill and going, getting high at a rave, uh, and you're somebody who goes and get drunk, gets drunk on the weekend, it's the same goddamn thing. If you are bothering people and annoying people while you're drunk, then stop drinking. You're a problem. If you're doing the same thing while you're high on something, you're a problem. But if you're just having fun and being a responsible adult, there's nothing wrong with that other than the legalities that you have to be careful, right? Um, and that, that's why I say I can't really encourage any of this for anybody, but I do want to uh, fight back on a stigma of it uh, because I am somebody who was raised around drug addiction and I was somebody who was raised around uh, around the stigma and bought into the stigma for a long time and I'm sick of it. I want people to get better. I want people to be healthy. I don't want more cases like my dad. And uh, those who, like I said, those who are going to do drugs and want to do drugs are going to do them, legal or not. And if we just could help make that safer, that would be better. And I know that's easier said than done. And I know there are organizations working on this, but that's kind of where I'm coming from is that I don't necessarily think that every substance ever has a solution for every problem ever. And I don't think everybody should try all of these substances. Uh, But I do think we should stop judging people for that. And the last kind of point I want to hammer on as an example is it's really easy if you're a, a just a regular person who who was grown up with the stigma same way I was and still holds true to this. If that's you listening right now. You don't agree with anything I say. That's fine. But um, think about it this way. If you saw somebody, uh, I don't know, taking mushrooms or doing a tab of LSD and you thought that they, they were immoral, and they but they were doing no harm and they were having they were being just fine uh but you're like oh they're on drugs or, or even more commonly somebody smoking weed somebody doesn't like somebody who smokes weed or whatever because they think they're just a dope head or something um all that's not true inherently of the person like that person is still an individual and can still think for themselves and does things um but it is about how they respond so if they're responding normally and healthily then that's completely out of place and the parallel i want to draw back there is most people with mental health, like myself, like I said, we're on drugs because that's our medicine. So like the SSRI I'm on, it changes brain chemicals the same way other drugs do. Now I can't get high on an SSRI and use it recreationally, but uh, I can make the parallel there that just like uh, the SSRI work, just like the Xanax works, all that kind of stuff. That's the same thing that weed is doing for my brain. It's it's changing a chemical property of the brain to do something it's medicine they all have that effect what they do is just fundamentally different and so if you have a problem with one drug and have never taken another then that's terrifying and that's not even the real parallel i want to make it's the stigma that exists behind uh the the drugs that actually exist because i was really scared to start professional medication treatment um when when my therapist suggested I was like I'm scared of it and I don't know why it's not that I'm not open to it but I just feel this irrational fear and I think it's because I don't want people to think I'm crazy and and it's like oh well people start seeing that you're on happy pills or whatever and they're uh 
seeing how you work through life or maybe you're dealing with the issues like I was, the different bouncing between stuff and the side effects, uh, they're going to think that you're crazy and you're, you're on medication. And, and if you don't take your meds, then uh, things will go really bad. And when you do take your meds, things are bad. There's, there's a whole stigma there too. And it's the same impact that we give to less legal substances that we consider sketchy. Uh, but the reality is it's not about the substance. It's about the human being that is choosing to use the substance and how they're using it. In my case, I don't have any control over how the SSRIs impact my brain. It either works or it doesn't. And I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of whatever that is. And the only difference between that and uh, like a psychedelic is the support and research that's being done. So it's not like my doctor is prescribing me that. Uh, so I can't try different dosages or try different settings or try different things where I can with the SSRI. Now, granted, there are, uh, for those who are struggling bad enough, uh, there are treatments for uh, trying these different substances like uh, DXM, for example, I noted the Wellbutrin thing, but DXM is uh, a dissociative and that's a lot like ketamine. And ketamine is also one that's not one I've done, but it's also one that is being used to help uh, test treatments, but it's not for everybody. And so these treatments are very experimental, but it is something you can open up to your psychiatrist or therapist about and be like, Hey, uh, as long as you have a good relationship with them, I can't say that's universally true, but you can say, Hey, uh, these medicines aren't working. I, I read about this. Is this an option that you think is good for me? And if they do go from there, that I think is going to be the healthiest way to approach these, uh, outside substances that keeps you safe and may actually get you some better treatment. But otherwise, stick to the medicine that you're you're working on and try to work through it. That's what I'm doing. That's all I know to do. Um, and it, it may not work for you. Shit, this may not work for me. And that's okay. At least you tried. And that's what I kind of want to point out. There's, there's a lot of medicine out there, and there's no such thing as a bad drug. And the medicine that we have needs to be tried. We need to be able to safely try this stuff and hope that we can get a better outcome for our lives and actually promote healing, reduce death, and um, just be better human beings about it all. Because I, I don't even care about all this, the the hippie crap from like, oh, the war on drugs, and this is why things are, the power, the control. It's not that none of that's true. It just doesn't matter because we're in the state that we're in and we need to just get out of it. I'm done focusing on why we're in it. It's important to understand why we're in it. Don't get me wrong, but it's way less important to understand why we're in it than it is to get out of it. Uh, so that that is kind of the direction I'm heading, and I'm a big fan of uh, really opening the floor for all these medicines to do things healthy. I don't think people should go out and just do random drugs. I think you should be safe, and don't don't think I'm a saint. Yeah, go get high and party on the weekends, just like every other twenty-something-year-old does. Uh, don't don't be stupid. That's that's kind of the point. Is don't be stupid. It's okay to have fun. You're a human being, but when it comes to medicine and treating yourself, don't run. Don't run from your problems. Uh, and if you need medicine, it's okay. Take your medicine. That is a hard lesson I've had to learn and I'm a lot healthier for it. Thank God. So yeah, that is it for this episode. I hope you guys learned a lot. Uh, it wasn't too terribly difficult to listen to. Like I said, it took me a couple tries to get this down and actually express the thoughts I wanted to express, but yeah, uh, catch you all in the next one. I don't know, I guess I fucking hate you now